This is the first class of our six class studies that Brother Matt and I uh, hope to uh, make our way through and to initially establish a foundation of, of these things that um, of type and allegory and figure and shadow, the things that, that we feel like have been hidden in a way in scripture for us as our brothers, as our brother prayed, had been preserved for us, uh, for our learning and for our edification to better know God's word and to better know his plan and purpose with this earth. And as we, we hope and we pray, uh, God willing, as we make our way through these studies, that, that we'll be able to bring these things out in a way that you can apply them in your own studies, in a way that, that you can see God's word brought to life. And as I have on that opening slide there, and uh, as Brother Matt already pointed out to me before I uh, began my study, I have my first typo. I'm sure it'll be one of many, but I have there in parentheses from Brother Thomas out of Elpis Israel. And this is, um, this is a phrase that has stuck with me for, for quite some time. Uh, the first time I read Elpis Israel, I'd just become baptized. Uh, nearly, it's been 12 years ago now. But this phrase always stuck with me, and uh, it's what Brother Thomas says is to allegorize is to speak in such a way that something else is intended than is contained in the words literally construed or literally spoken. And he actually goes on to say, I should have put this on your screen, but reading now from Elphazer Zarel, he touches and, and goes in a little, a little deeper here. He, said the, he says the historical allegory has a double sense, namely the literal and the figurative. And the latter is as real as the former is essential to its existence. So there's a literal and there's a figurative and both are equally as true. And the latter is as real as the former is to its existence. So as mentioned, we hope to create a foundation here and move along throughout our studies to, to where we will then eventually bring out specific examples uh, in scripture of type and allegory. So our first reference, and there will be many references in this first class, um, will come from Acts chapter 17, verses 1 to 3. And it says, now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollina, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. That word expound there is it's an interesting uh, word that we need to touch on a bit. Is, uh, as Paul says that he reasoned with them out of the scriptures. So to study the Old Testament is to interpret the New Testament. We must have a basic uh, foundation, the first principles, if you will, of the Old Testament in order to understand what's going on in the New Testament. So Acts chapter 26 is another reference that we'll briefly turn up here. Looking over at verses 22 and 23. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both the small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. So we have here Paul on his voyage to Rome, 
openly stating that there's none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. So we need to know what the prophets and Moses Moses have to say. Continuing on, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Now, at this point in in history, uh, the Gospels had been lived out, but had not yet been recorded. So this entirety of Paul's exposition must have come from the Old Testament. I believe we have a slide later on that points out another reference uh, that's in relation to this point. Let's go over to Acts chapter 9. Actually, I believe it's Acts chapter 8. Where we have the story of Philip and the eunuch. This is a reference that I was uh, debating on putting in here, but I think it's very applicable. So Philip and the eunuch. I'm sure it's a story that is pretty familiar to us. We have, uh, starting verse 27. He arose and went, behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch, a great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for the worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot and read Isaiah the prophet. As you come down, verse 32, this is where was read from Isaiah the prophet. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shearer. So opened he not his mouth. And this eunuch comes to Philip and says in verse 34, I pray thee of whom speaketh this prophet, this of himself or of some other man. And from that point in scripture in Isaiah, Isaiah, let's see, I think I believe it's 56 or 65. Nonetheless, at that point in scripture, Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. So he's expounding out of the scriptures, the name of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God, the gospel. And the very next thing that happens, we're told in verse 36, they come to water and the eunuch says, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? So he, Paul gives, I'm sorry, the eunuch gives this exposition or is given this exposition. And the very first thing that is said when they come to water is here, Here's water. Let me be baptized. Now, we have to deduct as students of the word, and frankly, uh, common sense would tell me that he expounded unto him the Lord Jesus Christ and the necessity of baptism. We're not told specifically that's what is mentioned, that he alludes to baptism. But we must realize that this is what has happened, because the very first thing that the eunuch says is, what does hinder me to be baptized? Another example, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant, how that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and that all drink or eat of that same spiritual meat, that all drink of the same spiritual drink. And he that drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now these things were our examples or our types. The only way to know what is being spoken of here in 1 Corinthians 10 by Paul is to know what happened in the Old Testament record in Israel's history. The entirety of the Old Testament is about the nation of Israel. There's no denying that, and I don't think any scholars would deny that. The New Testament tells us the history of Israel, that the history of Israel is both literal and typical. We're given the literal account 
the historical account of what happened to the nation of Israel. The typical things that happen, as we see that Paul points out in 1 Corinthians 10, that spiritual drink, that spiritual meat, the spiritual rock, those things were Christ. And these things are our types. There are examples that point us forward to Christ. As we know, Paul says, the law was our schoolmaster to lead us unto Christ. We must know the law, the Psalms, the prophets, the things that point forward to Christ. Brother Thomas goes on to say, treat the New Testament as a commentary of the old. Just a quick excerpt there that backs up that point. Luke chapter 24, verses 27 to 32. Verse 27, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scripture, the things concerning himself. Continuing on, and they drew nigh to the village, whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he said, I meet with them. He took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. Their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. And then to say one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way? And while he opened to us the scriptures or expounded to us the scriptures to set on fire, to light that burning within us. That's our hope in, in our intent in these studies as we, establish why these things are necessary, why the types, the parables, the, the allegories, the figures, the shadows, why we need to study and search for these things. And in turn, once you begin applying these things in study, as it did in me at a very young age, once you realize these things and you find them for yourselves, it, it sets on fire your, your heart for the truth. It burns within you. You see these things. The name of Jesus Christ comprehends all that is affirmable of him and is therefore the summary of his character as a prophet, sacrifice, priest, and king. Hence, to understand his name, we must know what is testified of him in the law, the prophets, the Psalms, and the apostles. Still here in Luke chapter 24, if you go on, as we read verse 27 already about Moses, the prophets, all things being expounded unto them out of there. Verses 44 and 45. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. I'm not sure we can get much clearer uh, text here in the 24th chapter of Luke that tells us that the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, they were written about Christ. It's at some point, at any point of those scriptures in the Old Testament, we need to be able to identify the application to Christ. And as we'll point out, God willing, we'll look at a few of those examples in our next few classes. Acts chapter 28. When they had appointed him a day, there came many to to him, to his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and the prophets, from morning till evening. Quite a long time to be expounding 
things from the Old Testament concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ from morning till evening. This tells us the vastness of what is related to the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Paul expounded from the morning till the evening the things of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. We hope to spend about 35 to 40 minutes in this first class, nowhere near morning till evening. The kingdom of God and Jesus Christ are embedded in the Old Testament. Acts chapter 18, verse 28. For Apollos mightily convinced the Jews. I'm sorry, I need to look these scriptures up. It seems the, the boxes are inhibiting my view of some of the text I have on the page. I apologize. Acts 18, verse 28. For he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ or is the Christ. As the Old Testament scriptures were the only inspired writings, we mentioned this earlier, then available, this proves that the entire redemptive work of the Lord Jesus is contained within its pages in precept, parable, allegory, type, and shadow. And that comes from the Acts Expositor by Brother Mansfield. John chapter 5, verse 39. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are, they are they which testify of me. Verses 45 to 47. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom you trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Romans 15 and 4, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. The Greek word there, learning, in Romans 15 and 4, appears 21 times in the New Testament. 19 of those 21 times, it is translated doctrine. So our learning, our edification, that is what constitutes our doctrine, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. The things that were written aforetime, the Old Testament. The Old Testament isn't merely history, but doctrine expressed in events that are prophetic shadows, types, in allegories of the particulars of the gospel, the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 2. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known him, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Had they known the Old Testament, the things which would have led them unto Christ, the law of Moses, the Psalms, the prophets, then they would have not crucified Christ, because they would have seen that they spoke of him. But as we know, the blindness was made in part unto Israel. Romans 16 
verses 25 through 26. I know we're looking through a number of scriptures here, but, but bear with me. I think it's uh, important to establish this, this foundation out of the New Testament and show all of the areas where we're told to go to the Old Testament. Verses 25 through 26. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. So at one point, these things were kept secret before Christ had come to fulfill the law and the prophets. These things were kept secret, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. When the disciples asked why he taught by parables, the Lord Jesus Christ responded, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Accepting Jesus as the Messiah provided knowledge that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Rejecting him meant the Jews retained a heart wax gross, ears dull of hearing, and eyes that were closed. That's quoting Matthew 13. Thus their blindness remained. They did not understand the things in the Psalms, the prophets, and the law of Moses. And this is the command to us to study those things which were written concerning me, he says. We must be uh, able to identify those things in the Old Testament. They won't come out and say that this is Jesus Christ. The New Testament does that. As we saw in 1 Corinthians 10, it says the spiritual meat, the spiritual rock. Uh, another example, the manna from heaven. We know those things point forward to Christ. But when we read the account of them in the Old Testament, they will not say, this relates to Jesus Christ. We have to know and understand and study these things and find these types and allegories that point forward to Christ in the Old Testament. The Old Testament history reveals doctrine by prophetic type and shadow. As I just mentioned, it is impossible to know Christ as the bread from heaven, John 6, without specific study of the manna, to which he refers and is recorded in the law, Exodus 16 and Numbers 11. It's impossible to know Jesus's relationship to sinful flesh without careful consideration of the serpent on the pole to which is referred to in the law of Moses. Note that allegories are not vague generalizations. They're not, they're not kind of uh, generalized. They are very specific, but revealed in the literal, the law and the prophets, the primary exposition of our pioneers. The details are found in the Old Testament. As I mentioned, Israel baptized in the sea, 2 Corinthians 3. We have to go back to the literal, the historical record, to find out the figurative and what it means to us that's pointed out in the new. Details, detailed study must be made of the law and prophets. I've said many times now, it is impossible to know Christ as the high priest 
after the order of Melchizedek, Hebrews 5 and 6, without careful study of Genesis 14, where we have Abraham after returning from the, the battle with the kings of the surrounding nations, and he returns to Melchizedek, the king of Salem, both king and priest of the Most High God. This is the exact type of the Lord Jesus Christ, the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, both king and priest. It is impossible to know Christ as a complete provisional sacrifice of Yahweh, Hebrews 10, without a thorough study of the detailed offerings recorded in the law of Moses. The, the individual offerings, the burnt offerings, the wave offerings, the heave offerings, the sin offerings, the Passover. Now, I'm rattling these things off quickly. Believe me, by no means have I done extensive, thorough studies of all these. I'm pointing the finger at myself just as much as I'm uh, speaking the, the words from my own mouth. We have to be able to know and understand and study these things, these details that are recorded in the law of Moses to better know Christ and his sacrifice. We cannot understand how God will dwell with men, Second, excuse me, Second Corinthians 6, Revelation 21 and John 1, without a detailed study of each element with the tabernacle. That's exactly what the tabernacle represented. Uh, Brother Gar's given a great uh, series study on the tabernacle in the wilderness where God dwelt with men. These were figures of the true, says the apostle. Philippians 3 and 3, we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. We have to look at the literal historical account of the institution of circumcision, the cutting away of the flesh that was done on the eighth day, the putting aside of the things of the flesh and turning to the spirit, the, the spiritual things of God. We cannot appreciate this New Testament reference without a thorough study of that doctrine of circumcision, which was established in the Old Testament. Christ and the apostles taught the Old Testament as the key to the New Testament. As I mentioned, uh, Brother Barling uh, says something very similar to the words that I read from Elpis Israel from uh, Brother Thomas's work. Such is oftentimes a significant character of Bible history. It is both literal and allegorical at the same time. For being allegorical, it does not thereby cease to literally be true. Remember what Brother Thomas said. There, the former is as real as the latter is to its existence. The literal and the figurative, they're both true. For being allegorical does not thereby cease to be literal, literally true, nor because it is literal does it fail to qualify as allegory. It is properly not pure parable. It is enacted parable. It is worked out. It retains its claim throughout to faultless accuracy. It is this which gives it its unique importance for its allegorical content precisely because it is eminent to authenticate historical facts possesses the same property of truth as the facts themselves. Thus, its lessons remain permanently relevant, even though the facts which first served to illustrate them belong to the distant past. Very similar to what Brother Thomas has to say in Elpis Israel regarding allegories. To speak 
in such a way that something else is intended than contained in the words literally construed. Although we will look at this example specifically in, in the type of David and his greater son Solomon, although Solomon's kingdom was a time of peace, this speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ's time of peace in the kingdom age when all enemies are subdued and he reigns in authority. Modern Christianity cannot decipher between the literal and the figurative. They think that creation is considered as just a metaphorical story while they look at the symbols in Revelation and they think that to be literal. We know this as Bible students not to be the case. We look at the literal, the literal uh, symbols given in Revelation, but we're told in chapter one that these are things which must shortly come to pass. They're signs and they're symbols of things which must shortly come to pass. So we look at the literal, but we understand the figurative. And that is what we hope God willing to point out in a few of the specific examples um, later on in, the, in this series of classes. Brother Robertson, the Law of Moses says, whatever we may think of it, there the fact undoubtedly is, and it would be a pity to make the mistake of those who stoutly shut their eyes and maintain that there are no types and shadows connected, either with the history or the institutions of Israel under Moses. Very clear words by Brother Roberts. This is a slide that I, that I uh, took right from Brother Garth's classes. Uh, it's a great point, um, and I thought it was worth sharing, uh, as a lot of these uh, references are. Um, this is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, which we know to be the resurrection chapter that, that Paul speaks to the Ecclesia of Corinth about the resurrection of the dead. If you look in your margin, you can see that there are no Old Testament references there. When you look at those verses 3 and 4 of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, the death of Christ for the covering of sin and his rising from the death are events foreshadowed throughout the Old Testament. However, they are revealed in prophetic shadows and types in the law, prophets, and Psalms. Only doctrinal truth sheds light on these many enacted parables. And as I mentioned, the, the margin of most Bibles provides little or no Old Testament references on the Lord's sacrifice of sins and subsequent resurrection. And again, our hope, God willing, is to look at some of those specific examples in the Old Testament. The, the primary purpose of this class is to look at the why. Why study the Old Testament? Why look at these parables, these types, these allegories? Why do we need to study the law of Moses, the Psalms, and the prophets? It's to better understand the New Testament. And I hope that some of these references and things we pointed out thus far have, have made a, a, a good case for that. Psalm chapter 12. The words of Yahweh are pure words, as silver tried in an earth, purified seven times. No language in scripture is ever by coincidence. No number, no action, no name, no chronology. It is very specific in the divine record. The number seven is the spiritual number of perfection. Silver is 
the metal, the precious metal of redemption. You can look at the references there, Proverbs 30 and James 3. The Bible is God-breathed and able to make men wise in the salvation. Often modern translations are sought as an attempt to make the word easier to comprehend. However, it is rightly understanding the word, the scripture, that is critical, the principle that is critical. And it's not to say that, that the King James is the only uh, inspired word of God. It is uh, said to be um, the best translated word of God. And I know there are many uh, translations now that are used. And by no means am I saying they're wrong. But what I'm saying is be careful of some of these modern translations as they attempt to, to dole down the word of God, take out some of the detail. And that is exactly what I am proposing for you to look in the most when we begin to apply this in our own study, the detail. That is where you will find the specific uh, characteristics of the types and the allegories. That is what will tie those things together. We have a Bible, Brother Thomas says, published by royal authority, appointed to be in churches or ecclesias, and can read it for ourselves without the aid or note, aid of note or comment. We want no other Bible than this in English. The original compilers of the King James Version were specifically told not to add commentary to the Bible. It was meant to be diagnosed and dissected um, upon one's own studies. Here's a quick example, just touching on, you may have heard this before, in that the four faces of the cherubim are represented in the four Gospels. Matthew represented uh, as the lion, uh, Christ's attitude as the king, or his right as king, rather, the genealogy of Christ begins with David, and he is continually referred to as the son of David. It's the only account that uses the phrase kingdom of heaven. Mark, there is no genealogy given in this record. The book immediately relates with the servitude of the Lord. It's his character as a servant, as the ox, uh, his sole purpose was that of, of tilling the ground, of, of being the servant the only gospel, Luke, record that distinctly traces the Lord's genealogy to Adam. His age as a man is mentioned at eight days, 12 years, and 30 years. It records Mary's uncleanness at birth and his development at youth. This is the Lord's character as the priest, the man. John, the gospel of John, there is no genealogy. However, this gospel account represents the word made flesh and thus the spirit. The no, no parables are recorded in this gospel. Instead, the spirit is applied. This is the face of the eagle from the cherubim, the God manifestation aspect. Similarly, in the Old Testament, we have the account of Kings and Chronicles. This is another example of scripture covering the same time period, yet with different emphasis. Kings records the overall civil, civil events of the nation of Israel, while Chronicles is intensely fixed on the religious 
or spiritual aspects of the kingdom of God. And as I mentioned, we hope to look at both David and Solomon um, as specific types of Christ. And we'll, we'll, we will reference both Kings and Chronicles. Both of them have their place. One, to show civil literal events that happened in the nation of Israel. While Chronicles also gives us account of the same time periods in Israel's history, but it's fixed a bit more on the religious or spiritual aspects of the nation, the kingdom of God, which we know the nation of Israel was the first kingdom of God on this earth. And that is why we pray for the Lord Jesus Christ to return and reestablish the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of God on this earth. That is our hope. It looks like part of the bottom of this slide didn't quite make it over from my, uh, my other computer on the transfer. So we'll just uh, focus on the top part of this slide. I think the text may have been too big. Second Timothy two, it's a, probably a common verse to us that we've heard or heard expounded on study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The word study to make effort, use speed, be earnest or diligent. That is how we become approved in God's eyes is by study to rightly divide, to dissect, make a straight cut, as olive oil is beaten, we must be able to rightly divide the word of God. That is why it is essential to know the first principles of the scripture, the things that are foundational. That is where you will find, as long as you know the first principles of scripture, that is where you will find as you look at these types and allegories that those must align. They can never be adverse to one another. We have to make sure that they align and that they are consistent throughout scripture. Although developing parables requires more diligence, it is much more fruitful. It won't come easy. As I mentioned, nowhere in the Old Testament does it say, for example, the, the, the story of Joseph. Nowhere does it say, this is the story of Joseph. Watch out. This is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. But as we hope, either myself or Brother Matt to point out, is that he is an exact type of Christ in every aspect of his life on record that we have in the betrayal by his brethren, as from being cast into a pit to being resurrected to life, to, to go into Egypt, to be set second in command under Pharaoh, to be cast into prison, figuratively dead, to be in the prison cell with both the butler and the baker, the bread and the wine to be resurrected to life, to second in command under Pharaoh. There, every aspect of the Lord Jesus Christ is in the story of Joseph. And most importantly, uh, I, I may be ruining a bit of this for when we get to it, but I love this verse in Genesis 45 and 7. Now, tell me if this does not speak of the Lord Jesus Christ. As Joseph said these words, God sent me before you, to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Does that speak of the Lord Jesus Christ, even though Joseph speaks these words? I think very much it does. So as we'll conclude this afternoon, when we study the Bible, 
We are looking for doctrine in the Old and New Testaments within the literal historic record, not just facts, but principles associated with those facts. That's very important. We're not just looking for the facts that, that you know, A plus B equals C, but we're looking at what principle do those two things add up to. Doctrines are revealed in detail, not vaguely. We must play, pay close attention to the inspired record and precise words used. Knowing the mode of instruction includes types and parables, allegories, those things that point forward to others. Remember Brother Thomas's words, to speak in such a way that something else is intended, just like the, the words that Christ spoke as we as we read through the Gospel of Luke in our daily readings, these parables we read through. Today we read through the parable of the vineyard, as uh, I believe it was Luke chapter 20 was our reading today, as this man sends different people to the laborers in the vineyard, and they kill one, they kill the other. Finally, he says, I'll send my son. That is how Christ spoke in those parables. That's exactly how we should have our mode of thinking when we look at the literal events of Israel's history is what is the parable here? Is there an allegory? Is there a type? What's the principle? As I mentioned, we must carefully observe names, places, chronology, actions, numbers, colors, people, geography, because nothing is by coincidence when we're given a specific number. An example I may give this one as an example when we get to those point in our series here. The story of Eutychus in Acts chapter 20. Uh, look at Acts chapter 20 if you want to do some extra credit and see if you can find the principle of the resurrection in the story of Eutychus. By no uh, coincidence was he asleep on the third loft it tells us very specifically that he was on the third loft. Why, why would it say the third? Why not the second? Why not the fourth? Why the number three? And use your Bible dictionary. Ending with Brother Carter's words from the oracles of God, it must be noticed that the history has features other than the mere, starting over, it must be noticed that the history has features other than the mere narration of events. Humanly written history could not present such features. Only God who knows the end from the beginning could practice such a history. There is clearly an ultimate purpose in the history beyond the mere record of events. The selection of events to be recorded and the emphasis given to each event requires divine guidance if such a purpose is to be indicated. And our hope and, and purpose, God willing, will be to uh, continue to lay this foundation in our second class as Brother Matt will look more into um, the how, as I hope that I have established the why we need to look into these things of parable type, allegory, figure, and shadow. Thank you. Mm -hmm.